and thank you for joining us for another episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. I am Michelle Kane with Voice Matters, and I am here as ever with my wonderful co-host Karen Swim of Solo PR Pro. And we have yet another wonderful guest. We are so lucky. Today we have Shaniqua Major Louis Lewis. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I popped in both pronunciations of your last name. Hey, I'll, I'll take it. Up. I love it. Oh my I love gosh. it. I'll take both. <laughs> is affectionately known as Major. Yes. And, uh, she's committed to living a life filled with impact, purpose, and community. We're going to talk about all the good things she's involved in, including being the founder of Whatever's Good, which is a PR and creative shop. And she's the founder of Major's Project Pop, which is a celebrated organic and vegan popcorn company that mm. shifts nationwide. Delicious. Welcome, Major. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I have to steal that entire intro. I'm like, that sounds really good. <laughs> That's me. I love that. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited for this conversation. Oh, we're so excited. So since this is a show about PR pros, we'll start with the PR yes. part, right? Yes. So what drew you to PR? You know, what what um, what career path led you here to well, fight? Well, yes. So I grew up in upstate New York. I was a part of a military family as a child. My parents um, actually divorced at a young age, but we ended up staying in upstate New York. So I basically grew up on a military base. And I had all, like, growing up my entire life, I had always thought that I would grow up to be a dance instructor and own my own dance studio. I was a part of, like, dance crews and step team and all these different things as a kid all the way through high school. And I remember going to tell my mom, hey, I want to open up a dance studio. And I know she meant well, but I don't recommend parents do this. She like looked at me like dead in my eyes and said, you need to get a real job. And I'm like, I, mean, I thought that was a real job. So by that time, we had already moved back to Florida. She's originally from here. And I was going to the University of Central Florida. And they had these degree catalogs. And I thought, well, I guess I can just sit down and thumb through and figure out what degree sounds like something remotely close that I could do. And I stumbled across advertising and public relations, which is a dual major at that university. And I thought, well, I mean, I guess I can try it. I like to write. I like to talk. Um, there was a PR show that was out. I think it was on MTV at that time. And I really liked the way that the women were like navigating throughout their lives. So I thought maybe I could give this a try. So it was, it's actually um, a closed program. So you have to apply for it. Um, I did all the work that I needed to do to get into the program. Thankfully I was accepted and I found out that it was something I was actually really good at. And I decided to go with the PR track versus advertising because I did nine internships in college and all of them happened to be PR. So I figured this was probably what was meant for me to do. And that's how I got into it. Wow, that's such an interesting background. And yeah. I, I had no idea about your dance and stuff. Yeah. Love of that. <laughs> oh so my cool. God. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. PR that's wonderful. is its own kind of dance. <laughs> oh, right. It's a lot of dances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's all about I mean, rhythm, right? Finding your right. rhythm. You're so right. It's a lot of hurry up and wait or a lot of just being nimble and, and ready to yes. run at any moment. But what we really Absolutely. love is that a key pillar of your business is communicating with dignity. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about how, I mean, 
I'm sure it's always in the back of all of our minds, but mm-hmm. how is it that, that that you decided, no, this needs to be at the forefront? And Absolutely. So for about 12 years, I worked for, I spent my time between two different PR agencies. So I'm like a lifer in the agency world. Yeah. I stayed at agencies for a very long time. So I was at one agency for six, oh, 11, and the other agency for five. And during those those times, I didn't real I didn't clearly identify the word as dignity, but I just had a way of working with my clients that was filled with integrity. And for me, yeah. it was very important that I lived that out, regardless of who I worked for or what their values were. I just, you know, I always listened to my, you know, my supervisors, but I always had my own way of managing clients because I always felt like they're investing X amount of dollars into this company to do work for them. And I'm the person that's responsible for it. I owe it to them and to myself to do right by them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, throughout the pandemic, I was still in the, at an agency at that time. And just so many things were happening, so much social unrest, so much, um, there were so many social justice issues that were popping up. And I was finally at a point in my career that I felt very comfortable and confident about standing up for rights and the rights of people and being a lot more vocal about the things that I had always felt my entire career, but maybe it was just too timid or felt like I might lose my job. All those things that you're concerned about when you're younger in your career. So I just had this like innate feeling inside of me that I was no longer going to do that. I was going to make my morals and principles very well known to everyone that I worked with so that they would understand what I would not do and what I would do. Um, because for me, you know, my core values, they, they are woven through every part of my life. And um, when I left that agency after five years, it was a great run, awesome people. I really made the decision that, you know, I needed a break just for like a month or so because I was exhausted and as we all were throughout the pandemic. But I determined that when I created my own shop, that I really wanted to lean into this dignity piece, you know, working with reporters to tell the right stories and making sure that their angles are right and that they're communicating about people um, from various walks of life with this term dignity, which is so often not properly used well at all in journalism. And it's funny, I was listening to um, a podcast on NPR maybe a week or so ago on vacation. I can't remember the reporter's name, but she basically talked about news fatigue and how even her as a reporter, she has to like really monitor how much news she's consuming every day because it just makes her so tired, but that she's been actively working on reporting with dignity because they work so fast in the newsroom and, you know, news is around the clock. Everybody's, you know, trying to get their first hit. Sometimes reporting about people, especially people of color or about neighborhoods that are disenfranchised or that the majority of people don't live in, the lens that they report through is typically incorrect. It's normally hearsay, assumptions, maybe some data, some data that they pulled off, you know, a website. But I found, and especially re- more recently with some of my clients, that that's not enough. And it's my responsibility as a publicist to train people mm. to properly communicate about, particularly my clients, but even, even more broadly you know, people of color and neighborhoods that, again, just have this certain stigma attached to them based on 
publicity or the way that people have communicated about them for generations. So um, I've done a lot of things more recently to help make that easier when communicating with uh, reporters that I can share a little bit about if you're interested in that. But it's something that is so important to me. And I try to literally tell everybody about it as much as possible because I, I yeah. feel like if people talked, if people reported more with dignity and if publicists and just in general, if we just work to uphold the dignity of people, this world would literally be a very different place, but we don't often do that. So, you know, we deal with a lot of strife and there's, you know, issues within communities and such. So it's just, it's really important to me as a publicist. And I I find that a lot more people are talking about it. They might just not use that term right now. Yeah, that is so important. I mean, it shows up not, it goes beyond integrity. It really is. Um, I think taking a step back and respecting the value of each human being yes. um, without the the biases. We all have inherent biases, and it's really important as public relations professionals to to identify those and to be able to overcome those, either right, learning, being involved, but also in in relying on other people as well. You can't do this job on your own, even when you're a solo. You really need to have a support mechanism and you need to have people yeah. that are different from you. There has to be yeah. diversity of thought, diversity of backgrounds, a diversity of experiences, um, because that's how we ensure that we really are serving our publics in, in the best manner. But I Absolutely. am interested. You mentioned yeah. that you've taken this to a whole other step and created, it sounds like, some systems to ensure that you adhere to this value. I'd love to hear more about that. Yes. Yeah. So one key tool that I've created is called the Communicating with Dignity Guidelines document that I share with all the media that I work with, any partners I work with, particularly for one of my clients, because the work that they do is so complex and so intricate. It's really easy to misunderstand. And their big work is really to help um, strengthen neighborhoods that have experienced decades of disinvestment. So Mm -hmm. a reporter might, you know, use words like impoverished or crime ridden or poor or homeless and just these terms that we so often use. But uh, I created this document actually after we had this beautiful spread in a statewide publication. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was an award that so many people throughout the state fight for every single year. And my client got it. So it was this huge honor. I worked with a reporter for about three months on the story. We did multiple tours, communicating with residents, all of this work. And when the story published, it, the headline used some words that we would never use to communicate what happens in that neighborhood. And I just remember looking at this and saying, and just feeling so defeated at that moment, because I thought I cannot hand this to someone who lives in this area and, and know that they would feel dignified by reading this. Even though the rest of the pages were beautifully written, it was amazing. Someone had decided on their news team that these were the words that best encompass what was happening in that community, and they weren't true. And it was that moment where I said, it doesn't matter how many tours I have, no matter how many interviews I book with people on staff and residents, sometimes people just need something that they can refer back to, you know? 
go back to and look at it to make sure that they're in lockstep and that they're reporting accurately. So I created this document. Um, it definitely gives a, a much better overview of how to communicate about these the people in this neighborhoods that you don't know that you only have perceptions about based on maybe what you've reported on or what other you know stations have reported on. And it's funny because a lot of people that I communicate with now, they ask like, hey, can I borrow that? Can I see that? Um, because it was, a, I think it was, I don't know if it was Stanford. Stanford did a report, maybe it was in 2020, about um, nonprofits and how utilizing words like poor and crime written, mm-hmm. they actually don't get you more donations. They don't pull at the heartstrings of people and they actually don't benefit the people that you're trying to uplift. They keep them in this place because they start to identify with those terms. So if you use language that is more positive, that's more dignifying, that's more uplifting, people will invest in vision. They don't want to invest in problems. They want to see, well, what else is happening? You know, what are we doing to better the situation? So I took all of that knowledge and that just like, I don't know, that inner thing inside of me that said, hey, I need to do something about this, at least in my own community and the people that I communicate with. And yeah, I created this document and I share it with any reporter, any partner, anyone that emails me about that particular client, doesn't matter who they are, they get the document and I point them to it. It's in our media kits. And it's definitely, I mean, it's crazy, but in the last six months, the reporting has drastically changed. Wow. It's wild to see. Like you can literally tell that they're reading what we what we wrote and they're using it, using it in their in their copy um, for the news crews, like words that they would never use before. So I'm like, I don't it, it would be easy for me to take the credit, but I just I love that one really great thing that happened as far as that award was also such a bad thing for me that it checked me as a publicist and said, there's something more that you can do. I don't want to blame the news crews for how they report. Like, well, I can't control how they report. No, actually we can't, you know, we can help guide them into a more informed way of talking about people. So something I'm really, really grateful for, and it has just proved to be very beneficial. I love that. I love that you took action because you're right. We do um, have a a lot of us who will be apologetic and feel like we don't have control. And what you did, yeah. it's not that you're controlling the message; it's that you equip them with mm-hmm. the right language. And and you're right; those those words are dehumanizing because it yeah. makes people yeah. a problem. So you're, yeah. put, you're labeling them with their problem, and you're forgetting about their humanity. And you know, I'm triggered Absolutely. when I say homeless people. And and I've even seen it where they don't even add people. It's just the homeless, oh, as nice. though right. that defines them as some category of the human yeah. brain. Right. Human beings that happen to be unsheltered. They right. all have stories. They have families. They have people who love them. They have rooms and histories. They're members of the human race, and we dehumanize them and their issue, and we don't understand the complexity. Of yes. their issues because we've labeled them and categorized them as this subset of humanity. So I think this doesn't only apply to people that are working, you know, in nonprofits and in impact businesses, but it applies across the board. That a key takeaway today for our audience is take another step. Just when you, if you're feeling frustrated, yeah. equip 
the people that are reporting on your clients with the right language, because I believe the journalists are completely overwhelmed, just like the rest of us. And having a tool that helps them to tell a richer, better story and to use language that's more effective, more inclusive is a good thing. I think that they will welcome that. But I sometimes see public relations pros that are afraid um, Mm -hmm. to communicate with journalists like human beings. They don't yeah. treat dignity. They, you know, they're so afraid that, oh, they're going to tweet about me and say that I was pushy or, you know, I'm going to end up in, you know, the bad pitch blog post. And we have to <laughs> be ruled by fear. No, no, no. we can't. We can't. And, I, we can't. and I think reporters and I mean, my approach with any reporter throughout my entire career is to not treat them like a reporter is to treat them like a human. You know, right. Right. I never just, I never want to only reach out to someone I need something, right? right? It's like, sometimes it's just sending them a message to say, hey, I was thinking about you, or I read your story, it was amazing, or helping them out, even when it's not your client. I found that doing some of those things just helps break the barriers down so that when I do need to help coach them a little bit or give them a little bit more wisdom on how to communicate about something, they're open to it because I'm not just that pesky, you know, publicist who keeps bothering them with pitches that aren't relevant to their beat, you know, (laughs) Um, you know, you create a rapport that's just so much more um, engaging and trustworthy that they are open to hearing about what you have to say. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we all just want to do a good job. And I think yes. I'm, I'm willing to bet the majority of of reporters receiving that document are saying, oh, my gosh, you are so right. I, I yes. can't keep perpetuating these terms in this language just because it seems to flow easily. And, you know, it, that it may unfortunately be secondhand. And you think, wait a second. No, we need to check ourselves and Absolutely. how we're framing things because that influences you know, how, how the public thinks about these humans yeah. and these situations. So it, it's really important stuff. That's, that's, well, I've gotten my inspiration for the moment for that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. And yeah, this leads perfectly into our next question. You know, when you talk about dignity, you also are very much an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And yes. you have, um, something we haven't talked about in detail, we've, we've been on the PR, but you've also taken that to heart. These two messages, I love the way that you have created alignment in your life, not only in your PR business, but in your popcorn business. So tell us about, you know, what you're doing with DEI and how, you know, how that plays across both of your businesses and sort of the impact that you've been able to make in that area. Yeah. So I feel like DEI is literally like just in my DNA as a Black woman who is always looking for ways to advocate for really everyone, but especially people who have found themselves in marginalized like pockets of society. And it has become so important to me, especially working in PR, where a lot of people don't look like me. And it's funny. It's, I say it's funny, but it's actually really sad. In my 12 years of working as a publicist, it took me leaving the agencies that I worked for and starting my own firm to actually report to a Black man. Wow. That doesn't surprise I've me. I've never reported to a Black man. Ever. Yeah. Or a Black yeah. woman. 
Yeah. In my whole entire career. To yeah. me, that is like insane. It is. Like, whoa. So when that like settled into my heart, when it finally happened, because I was, I was trying to figure out what feels different about this. You know, like what is what's going on? It was great. I loved it. But I'm like, what feels different? And I was like, oh, this has never been your life before. Mm-hmm. And I've always had this desire to make sure that C-suites are more diverse, middle management, upper management, junior staff, but it's just become so much more important to me. So as of late, I've definitely been doing my part in trying to talk to anybody that will listen, especially because I know so many agency owners and people who have their own businesses about the power of diversity and inclusion. This workplace, this work environment that we're in right now People sometimes want to be there and sometimes they don't. And that's just the truth of the matter. Most people want to work from home and some people don't want to work at all because of all of the turmoil that we're experiencing in the world. But if you're looking to hire someone, especially if, as I say, I'll just use myself as an example. I go to your website and there is no one that looks like me or maybe one person that kind of looks like me, or maybe there's a couple of you know, people from the Asian community, maybe some um, people from the Latin community, like I might feel a little bit more comfortable, but there's no one that looks like me. It, it tells me a lot. It tells me one, you have not invested in diversity. And a lot of people say, well, you know, we look, but we can't find anyone. There are so many qualified people of color who work in communications to say that you can't find them. So it shows me that you're not diverse. It shows me that there might be some cultural nuances or things that I might have to come up against working for your firm and for you. Um, It also tells me that I might not be understood at all times Mm -hmm. and that I might not feel like I'm a part of, truly a part of something because we won't go on that tangent, but People who are like one of 30 in a workplace, there's just so many things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis that really no one can understand. And I dealt a lot with that over my career. So I understand it very personally. So I'm always advocating for people to do the work, find someone, talk to someone like me, ask me, hey, how do I create a more diverse work environment for people that work here? I don't care if you're Black or whatever. I think all firms should be diverse. I don't think that because if your firms aren't diverse, then there's really only a maybe a couple of people that you can work with client wise and they got to be talking to a certain audience because I think you do your clients a supreme disservice to ever try to properly promote to a community that you do not have any type of connection with within your agency. It's just not good. You know, then you're just kind of making up stuff, having to hire out someone to support who's not really, you know, internal it just becomes not good so I'm always advocating for people to look at their look at their firms you know take a look at your own website and see like if I were someone else would I want to work here and if that's not the answer invest in someone who works in the DEI space and help and ask them to help you Um, now on my PR I mean on my popcorn side I mean I just (laughs) light up when I talk about popcorn this is so fun for me but Um, you know, the pop and majors project pop means people and purpose over profits. So people mean so much to me, right. And upholding the dignity and all the things that we've talked about before. So for me, it's really important that I show up as my authentic self 
with this business because when I first started, I did hear a couple of people say like, are you sure you want to show your face? Like some people might not want to support if they know you're a black owned business. I was like, I battled with that for a little bit. I'm like, maybe, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know who's out there. Like if they're going to be interested in buying from me or not. I know that that sometimes can sway people, but when somebody puts that bug in your ear, it's like, oh, I wasn't even thinking like that. And then somewhere down the line, maybe a couple, maybe it was maybe like a year or so in, I was like, forget that. They're going to get this face and they're going to know who's behind it. And my hope is that I inspire other people who look like me or other women in the world to say like, you can literally go after your dreams and start something. I have this popcorn company. I started eight years ago, eight. So I was working as a publicist full-time for an agency and starting a job. So I was, in my mind, I think I was inspiring a lot of people. I was showing people you could have a side hustle and have a full-time job. I'm a black you know, woman operating in this world. You can do it too. And to see people that come up to the tables at events and little girls and little boys who are just inspired to hear, oh, is this your company? And I'm like, yeah, this is my company. And I walk them through my story. It just shows them that, you know, you can actually do something that you love and make money from it. A lot of people don't see that as a possibility for them at all. So for me, it's just so important to just live my life as authentically as possible so that I can be like a living, breathing example that it doesn't matter what, what your ethnicity is, what your gender is, like joy and happiness in the workplace of whatever you choose is a possibility for you. So I, that's, that's kind of like my posture when it comes to popcorn and why I try to show up as much as I do as myself and my mini forms so that other people can maybe just get a glimpse of inspiration about what they want to do in their life. I think that's fantastic. And so, I mean, so you've got two businesses. How do you stay organized? How do you keep it all together? I mean, am I organized? Yes, you must be. <laughs> so I have a I have a great husband who also um he has a marketing and podcast studio. He also does real estate, but he is like the other side of my brain that barely works, which is like a, it's very he's very organized and very like into tech and systems. I try to be a systems person, but like for him it's natural. So he sets me up on Notion. I don't know if you all use Notion, but it is an amazing um, tool that I use to organize my entire life. So both businesses live within Notion. If it doesn't hit my Notion boards, I might forget about it. So every order I have for popcorn, events, you know, press release I might have to write, pitches, you know, media tours, everything goes within this one place. And it's just... It's kind of like a pegboard or like a whiteboard, but just, you know, digital and on my computer that I can change and use it for an app at any given time. So I do that and I really just give myself a lot of grace. Like for some reason, I'm very appreciative. Typically when PR is very busy, popcorn is slower. So I've got this like natural rhythm that happens in my life that I'm just very grateful for because they typically aren't popping at the same time, which I so appreciate because I'm solo on both sides. So it would be too much for me to handle. But Notion is literally my best friend. I don't really use any other organizational tools besides Notion and it encompasses my entire life. And without it, 
I would probably have a ton of sticky notes and notebooks with like half written things all over my house, but I don't, I just have one app that keeps it all together for me. That's incredible. I love it. I'm going to check yeah. that out. <laughs> yeah. It's good. And they sell templates for it. My husband, he set me all up. Oh, wow. And that's so he did cool. a great job. So like you can design it the way that you like it to be, but um, even on Etsy, if you type in like Notion, yeah. they, there are templates that you, that people have already designed that you can just download and upload to your Notion that are already all set for you. Very, very cool. Awesome. Yeah, Notion is super popular in the tech world. So I yes. want my PR saw- is very popular. <laughs> yes. I would not know about it if it was if it weren't for my husband. <laughs> Well, while we're talking about your popcorn, I, I did notice when I was looking at the website, you have different flavors. Yeah. So I have my OG kettle corn, which is, I always tell people it's similar to like what you normally think about, like sweet and salty kettle corn, but it's much more elevated. So we use, um, for all of our recipes, we use an organic non-GMO kernel mm. and um, organic and vegan cane sugar. A lot of people don't know that most processed sugars are not vegan because they are processed through bone char, which makes them not vegan. So we use organic and vegan cane sugar and an organic unrefined coconut oil and Himalayan pink salt. That's what makes the OG flavor. And then I know Karen just ordered her lemonade. That is a limited time summer flavor that we have. We also roll out peppermint during the holidays, which is so good. It's literally one of my favorite things that I've ever made and that I have ever eaten in my life. I love it. (laughs) And um, we're about to roll out pumpkin spice. We'll be right in alignment with Starbucks when they roll it out. We'll be right alongside them rolling out pumpkin spice. And then I have a 24 karat gold popcorn, which is basically our OG flavor, but with 24 karat gold edible flakes. So that's perfect for like client gifts or holidays or someone's birthday or an anniversary. Well, if, if, if you're listening to us and not watching us, Karen just made the, that face of absolute joy when you mentioned that flavor. <laughs> my two absolute favorite flavors are 24 karat and the lemonade. Those are my, t- I love them all. Um, I haven't had so I'm looking forward to that oh. or the pumpkin. But well, you have to ask Ginger about the peppermint. I love those flavors. And yes. I'm not going to lie to you. Somebody was coming to the house the other day and my popcorn was on the counter and I hid it because I did not <laughs> want anybody to ask me to taste it, which is kind of mean. It's like, I was like, oh, I this popcorn because mm-mm. that's so funny. Well, you just definitely... send them to the website. We'll just <laughs> yeah. give them a taste yeah. and then send them to exactly. the website. Exactly. I will gift you some popcorn, but please keep your <laughs> That is so funny. I want to get into it. I don't want to be the mean girl that has somebody. Else. Oh. That's fine. It's a nice way just to avoid controversy. Just put it away. Put it away. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to place an order because I am the person who we have our little small town movie theater. I've been yeah. known to just pop in to get popcorn and take it. That's home. so funny. I, I love that. Movie. Just this give me a bucket. For the people who, you know, are out there and think, you know, vegan is some form of wokeism, (laughs) do not get it confused. It is vegan. It is delicious. Vegan does not mean tasteless. It is You can feel good about eating this because it is healthier than your typical popcorn, but it is delicious. Delicious. 
Yeah. I always tell people the things that all of us love in life are are, ve- are vegan already. We love onions. Yeah. We love apples. We like carrots. We like potatoes. All of those sure. things are vegan. <laughs> um, so, you know. That- Movie theaters, a lot of that movie theater butter is flavorful. It's vegan. It is. The way. That's true. So you think you're getting butter, but you're really not. I've had it yeah. before. So yeah. How about that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another so, Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So when it gets into it, if you had to choose, which I know I I I I I'm a, I'm an always annoyed with like, what do you mean do I have to choose? I don't want to have to choose. But if you had to choose, would it be PR or popcorn? Uh, well, okay. So I'll tell you this. This is probably not the answer you're looking for, but I'll tell you this. So when I was working for my last agency, I really felt this tension of not communicating to people about what I did outside of work, which was popcorn. And it meant so much to me because I really felt like Popcorn to me is not like it's less about me making popcorn and more about the impact and education that I get to do while making it. That's so important to me. So a big part of me leaving that job, aside from me being really exhausted and wanting a change, was really wanting to be able to pursue both the things that I love in my life at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I I would say that I would have to keep both. Yeah. No, I won't well, choose. Yeah. And well, honestly, I think you can do your PR through your popcorn. I mean, that's your you story. Can. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it was kind of a trick question we came up with. But. No, it's a good question, though. But I definitely yeah. felt that tension. You know, sometimes yeah, it's like sure. that. Like, even if you work for a job and, you know, they sometimes they want to know that you're fully in. Even if you're fully in, you still have yeah. a life outside of work. But I yeah. felt that tension. And I said, hey, I really, again, want to live as my, I think, authentic self and I don't want to have to hide things that I'm yeah. doing and it was getting to a point where it was becoming too hard to hide so I'm yeah. like yeah. I'll leave this start my own thing and keep doing yeah. popcorn and here we are that's awesome I think that's perfect yeah. and and I if you want to that all the other budding entrepreneurs or you know yeah. people that are looking at PR out there pick up some really key things one is that there are no limitations there's only the limitations that you create for yourself And that when you are purpose-driven, that purpose can express itself through different channels. You don't have to choose one thing. And and I think, you know, that was a defining moment for me. Someone gave me that advice so many years ago before we Mm -hmm. had the term side gig and before they said Mm -hmm. you, and it was actually my brother, um, God rest his soul, who said, you don't have to do one thing. And I, I was like, wait, what? I don't understand. Like no one's ever said that to me. Um, I hope that people in our audience experience that freedom to do the things that you're passionate about. Major is someone that I personally just adore and she really is making an impact and making a difference. I love what she does with her company. I love how she communicates with her PR business and so for all of the other little girls that look like us, you really can do it. I too didn't have a lot of role models in the corporate world. And I still deal with a lot of the things that people deal with um, in corporate America. But I just want all those other little brown girls out there to look at major and think, you know, I could do this too. And and yes, you can have two businesses and run them successfully. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, you absolutely. Can. Absolutely. And it, I think it's so key what you said about just following your purpose. I don't think yes. you can ever go wrong if you follow your purpose. You can't. You no. can't. And no. it's just been the biggest blessing that I, I didn't know that this life was possible for me. You know, like literally thank God for my husband and people around me who said, you can actually do this by yourself. Like, yeah. You can start your own company. You don't have to do what you've been doing. Like you can do it. And it was, you know, those voices in my ear, you know, kind of silent that silenced my fear and allowed me to step out and say, okay, I'm gonna do this. And I'm yeah. literally, I wake up with joy every single day. <laughs> this has never been my life. I wake up with bliss and joy. It doesn't matter what's on my to-do list. I'm so I'm just in a completely different place than I've yeah. ever been before. And it's not to say that it's always going to be like that, right? We go through a lot as business owners, but I think it's just a different type of joy because I actually am doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing in my life. I think that's fantastic. Well, yeah, what a perfect note to end it on. And if you want to find Major online, pretty much I would say the hub is at majorcreates.com. Would that be right? So yeah, you can go to majorcreates.com. Yeah, that's a great place. That'll take you to there. You can access whatever's good website as well as Project Props website. Awesome. Oh gosh, we can't thank you enough for spending some of your day here because I know. Thank you for having me. With two businesses to run, you got a few things going on. But yeah, we we just can't thank you enough. And um, I'll order some popcorn. And uh, to all of our listeners out there, we hope that you were inspired today because this was truly, I think, one of our more inspiring episodes. So we thank you for listening. Please do share this around because we need some goodness in this world. And uh, thank you for listening to That Solo Life. <laughs>